Good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome to the Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and I have Pastor Rick Whitmer with me in the room. Just the room. It's not an oven yet. We don't, yeah. But it might be later. It will be. It, it will be. Yeah, this heat is crazy. I feel like we're in Arizona. Right. Yeah. Minus the scorpions. Well, we have scorpions up here too. Do we really? Yeah. Where? We live in. Have the, you seen them? We live in the desert, man. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen any. Have you? Well, do you go looking for them? I'm. I mean, I also want to know. Have you seen a, a scorpion around I did, the Yakima Valley? I did. Yeah. I I was actually really young when I saw one. Yeah. We 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 did a uh, we did a uh, field trip, like I was in third or fourth grade, and we went to the Cowichee Canyon. And we were being dumb and kids, and I rolled one over. And you rolled a scorpion over? No, a, a rock. A rock. I, <laughs> I rolled a rock over. Okay. All right. Oh, it's a little guy. So, but I could have been daydreaming. I could. It, it could have well, been just a beetle, and I thought it was a scorpion. I don't know. Are you serious right now? You honestly don't know whether you saw. Well, a scorpion? now now you're making me second guess. Well, I just. I don't know. Your I mean, questioning I know they're, is making me angry. I think you're right. I think they're probably scorpions. No. I just now there's not. Is that there's... all it takes? Because <laughs> I have a few other points I'd like to bring up with you. <laughs> <laughs> no. So we went down to Arizona, Utah with the students a few years ago. Uh-huh. And we did a hike. And the group kind of got ahead of me a little bit. And I, I think I like stopped to tie my shoes or something. And they have these cairns, these stack of rocks. Cairns. That like uh, a cairn. Not not cairns. No cairns. Cairns. You saw a cairn. Yes, I saw. <laughs> and she was like, "Tie your shoes." <laughs> and these things would they they direct you where to go on on these. Yeah, yeah, I know what a cairn is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just wanted to it's make sure. It's a Celtic term. Yeah. I, I named the student ministry's house after. Well, a one cairn. of one of the rocks fell over. Oh. And I picked it up, and there was. A massive scorpion underneath that rock, like the size of my hand, kind of scorpion. Ew. And no, I was did it did it like stung and died. Did it um, get angry at you? It did. Really? No. It was going to sting you. I. The big ones are okay. I've heard. It's the little ones you have to watch out for. It probably would have been better if it did sting me. Why? I don't know. I don't know why I say the things that I do. I don't know what. If I hadn't just preached on anger. I might call your name right now. <laughs> Dwight? Don't be. <laughs> Hurts every time. Well, we, uh, <laughs> we got some news this week that uh, our podcast got somebody pulled over uh, because we were talking about Millie. And she, the person was, was laughing as she was driving and got herself. Because <laughs> she just stopped looking at the speedometer. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, oh. yeah. That's a that's a positive. Was she angry at us? I think so. I think so. Hopefully so, she's listening again. Yeah, we're talking... I, I don't know if you've gotten the hints, but we're talking about anger today. Ooh. Rick's mentioned it a few times. We got pretty worked up just before we hit record, talking about some and some stuff in pop culture. Yeah, and I had that to... That was totally righteous anger, though. I had to pray for you a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Silently. <laughs> don't want to make him angry. Yeah, yeah. Anger, man. That's something that you obviously struggle with. What? More than- <laughs> what are you doing? 
That's a great, I, you still want me to be on your podcast yeah. today, right? Like, you have a good, it's a good way of uh, your guests. No, Rick, I do appreciate you you preaching uh, from Matthew 5 the other day on, on this subject because it's, it's a subject, I think, or a, 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 an issue that a lot of us do struggle with is is anger. Yeah, it's it's really one of the most common things that that believers do struggle with universally. Yeah, yeah. So in your sermon on Sunday, you uh, you hit a lot on this idea of being angry with others. Mm-hmm. My question for you is, what would you, how would you, I guess, counsel or encourage or minister to somebody who has anger towards themselves or towards God? Hmm. Wow. Um, so, so when you say anger toward themselves, there's themselves, himself, herself. Like, do you have an they, example them, of that? Them. Um, Zemself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, so self hatred, and that could be that could be played out in in thoughts towards yourself. Um, it, it could be played out physically, you know, mm. people cutting oh. themselves, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I think ultimately seen in in you know suicide. Yeah, um, people taking their own lives because they're they're not worthy. Yeah, because they and that can happen for any number of reasons, right? Sure. So for something they did that they just can't. They're so ashamed of it yeah. that they can't live with themselves. Yeah. Um, self self anger, and and I think you're right in, in using the term self hatred also because it, there's a spectrum for anger. Um, anger has many different faces, but they're all the same, you know, personality basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and that ranges from irritation. Like when someone does something that just annoys you, even though they didn't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. all the way to that, you know, that hatred that just seethes with rage. Um, when someone's dealing with self-anger, um, where, what, are, what's the first word there? Self. <laughs> self. And that lets you know where their focus is. Their eyes are on themselves when they're dealing with self-anger. Um, or self-hatred. Um, I've counseled um, people before who are who are doing self-harm, hmm. such as such as cutting, right? And and that's a pretty common form of self-harm, especially for teenage girls. Um, and there can be a number of reasons for it, but usually it's not because someone's feeling all that grand about themselves. Um, and whenever we're looking at ourselves and we are the focus, uh, the focus automatically is not whom? God. It's not God, right? And it's certainly not, um, so it's certainly not God. It's not others. So we're not serving others when we're looking at ourselves. We're focused on us. And, and Paul really cuts right to the heart of that in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but mm-hmm. Christ who lives in me. In fact, that's where we got the idea of uh, crossed out student ministries because we want students to, to, to be formed as young adults, having been told at, through with, you know, from their parents and certainly through the ministry of this church during these years that it's not about them. Their life is for 
Christ. Mm-hmm. I am crossed out. I've been crucified with Christ. And that doesn't just go for, um, you know, well, it applies specifically to ourselves, including in, our, in self-anger. Whatever it is that we're angry at ourselves about or feel um, hatred toward ourselves about or self-loathing, that too, for a believer, is crucified with Christ and all the reasons for it. Yeah. And, and for so take someone who's cutting, for example. What does it say that Jesus did in Isaiah 53? He bore our shame and carried our sorrows. Mm-hmm. And what are we healed by? His blood. Yeah. And specifically, it says by his stripes, by his wounds, mm. we are healed. Stripes in some translations. When you look at somebody who's cutting, they've, they're trying to deal with their own shame by striping themselves. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, but they don't need to because Jesus stripes can heal them. Hmm. And so for someone who's dealing with self-anger, say, what is it about? Why are you angry at yourself? Two, whatever it is, because anger is a justice-oriented emotion, right? We talked about that in, yeah. the, in the sermon on Sunday. What injustice do you see yourself having committed that you're angry with yourself? And instead of looking inward, look upward. Yeah. See the one who made an end of it, and then go and be reconciled with whomever it is that, if it's possible, be reconciled with whomever it is that you've hurt so badly that you now hate yourself. Yeah. So that's what I would say to a person who's, you know, just generally who's dealing with self-anger. Yeah. Anger toward God is a whole different situation. Because going back to the justice idea of anger, that anger is um, our whole personed heart response against a perceived evil. If we're angry at God, what does it tell us about what we believe about God at that moment? That God's evil. That God is evil. That he's de- and, and even <clears throat> if he's not, that he's done evil. Yeah. That yeah. he has done something he should not have done. Yeah. And we are going to sit in judgment upon him for it. And that's one of, actually, this is one of the most poisonous lies that makes its way around. Um, I call it pop pop evangelicalism or pop Christianity. You know, it's okay to be angry with God. The psalmist was angry with God. Job was angry with God. Just, you know, God can take it. He's got big shoulders. He just loves you. And it's like, hold on. <laughs> if anger is the determination of evil, how how is it ever okay mm-hmm. to be angry with God? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, right. We better not be. And if we are, we have some repentance to do. Yeah. When God shows up and Job, who suffered innocently, is asking these questions, what does God do? He doesn't say, I'm sorry. He doesn't say, you know what? What he does is he reveals himself yeah. in his holiness and his majesty. And Job says, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Surely I have, you know, I need to shut my mouth. And he worships. Yeah. God is always worthy of our worship. Even in those times of confusion when we don't understand why. Normally anger toward God comes in when we don't understand why and the burden's too much for us to bear. Yeah. Um, And it's easier to be angry with him than it is to sit in the pain. Yeah. And so if someone's angry with God, I'd say, go to God, acknowledge that anger, ask his forgiveness, ask for his help. Yeah. Get some passages on hand that 
deal with the goodness of God. Romans 8 that John just finished preaching is a marvelous chapter to meditate on because he says he never does harm to his children. But even the stuff that Satan means for harm and that sin would use to destroy, um, even that, God works it for good. And so take that anger, repent of it, and actually then meditate on what is actually going on in the things that we can't make sense of. Mm. So, I mean, that's what I would say. Yeah. Now, going back to, I guess, our our anger with each other, um, Katie and I are non-combative people. I mean, we're combative, but we're we're, we're we don't show it. <laughs> okay. So, so when whenever uh, I'm angry with Katie or vice versa. Uh, we tend to bottle things up and we let those things fester. And then at some point they kind of explode. Um, what would be your counsel to me, I guess, in this <laughs> oh, moment? Man. You're making it so personal now. <laughs> this is what, what, what is your counseling to, to me who is, who is um, uh, passive aggressive, non-combative, um, lets things fester and, yeah, how how would you counsel someone like me and probably others? Well, first I would sign a, um, a disclosure statement that <laughs> talks about how confidential what I'm about to say is, and I'm not going to air your dirty laundry on a podcast. And having done that, um, no, <laughs> yeah, no, that's and this is really common because um, there are there there are like I, I'm more of a an outward person, yeah. right? Like so when I'm when I'm angry, um, people are probably going to know it. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> our, our office relationship right now is making perfect sense. You just brought the missing piece of the puzzle. <laughs> it's the silence piece. <laughs> I brought the yelling piece. No, um, so there's a that kind of anger is as real as the other kind, mm. and um, just as damaging. And in its own way, it can be um, more corrosive in some aspects. Mm. Than the other kind. Now, there's a lot to be said for not lashing out in anger. In fact, the Bible says a ton about that. Um, because you can't undo the words you say. Hmm. Right? You can't get those back. Yeah. The damage that gets done from some well-placed words um, sometimes will take months, for some people even years, to, to start to see the healing from those effects. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, not to say that it should, but it, de- it depends. Um, but the first thing we want to do about, you know, that when we realize that that's a tendency just to bottle things up is obviously first to, to pray about it because Katie may not know um, that that's what you're doing or sure. she might. Sure. But you know what's going on in your heart and God who sees the hearts of men s- certainly sees it. And so acknowledging that to him first would be the most critical thing, praying in the spirit on all occasions with all mm. prayers and supplications with thanksgiving. Um, so, um, so that's actually a pretty good step. Yeah. It, you know, here's a prayer, Lord, I'm bottling this anger up. This is why I'm angry. Please help me to deal with this in a way that brings glory to you. And thank you for my wife, because even on our worst day, you've given me a gift in her that is beyond what I deserve. Um, and then recognizing that 
even the things that we bottle up, what does Jesus say about murders, adulteries, envy, strife, all those things? Where do they come from? The heart. They come from the heart, right? And and the Word of God searches out the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So even if we're bottling something up in our heart, because that is what we're doing, we're bottling it up in our heart, um, the heart will work itself out. We mm. can't keep things bottled up and never manifest them. That's yeah. just not in our nature to be able to do. In Proverbs 26, um, verse 24 and 25, um, it says, whoever... Uh, whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. And so this is this is Solomon saying, hey, <laughs> you know, it may look good on the outside, but it's not well on the inside, and that's going to come out. Yeah. So be, be cautious and do something with it. Um, and so the way to do something with it is to acknowledge it before God. Seek reconciliation, you know, with your wife. Um, Proverbs 19.11 is one of those passages that I meditate on each month, uh, usually on the 19th of the month. And yeah. then uh, other times if I'm being wise. Um, <laughs> and it says, good sense makes one slow to anger. It is his glory to overlook an offense. In fact, I think that that's my screensaver right now. Yep, it is. <laughs> um, I have it on my iPhone, so I see it every day. Yeah. To, to get into my phone, I see that verse. And so those are the things we want to meditate on um, because those things counter the meditations that we harbor mm. that are sinfully angry. Yeah. And you can talk uh, with it, uh, about, talk with a trusted believer about it, a brother or sister in Christ, Um if you're a brother, if you're a man, do it with a brother in Christ, <laughs> not a sister in Christ. Yeah. My wife really, you know, that's, <laughs> that's how adultery starts. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, I just, I guess I just shared it with you. So, and the rest of the church. And the rest of the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> and let's be honest, John Piper listens to this podcast. Uh-huh. I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> So uh, this is, we're going off script a little here. We live in an, in the age of rage. Mm. We live in the age of rage. And it seems to be that some of the, the most petty things set people off. Ugh. Right? Like you, true. You, you hear about these you know, road rage events oh, and drive-by shootings and yep. all these other things because they start with a, a, a petty little thing that takes place. Yeah. How do we how do we get past the small things? Is is there a way of getting past the small things? The small, you know. So, for instance, yeah. it, it doesn't take very much to make me upset, and it really it doesn't have to be like this big grand. It, it could just be somebody says something wrong in the wrong manner or in the wrong tone. Yeah, and then all of a sudden my mind starts going, and I start thinking, well, you know. They said that the wrong way. They're saying it in a derogatory way. And then my heart starts changing towards that person. How, how, how do you get to the entry level things and attack it? Like we're like from the ground level. Yeah. Like, okay. Cause it seems, cause it seems that yeah. we wait for that anger to kind of go, go out of us. Yeah. Before we actually do the deal the, with it, deal with it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you're right. We do live in the age of rage. And everything offends everybody. Well, how did we get here? It, on a heart level, 
um, a lot of practice, <laughs> a lot of practice. Um, and by the way, I don't think we're nearly as angry as we come across as a culture. I don't think it's possible for us to be that offended about that much. I saw a video a few weeks ago of a, of a guy at, at, at a, this was a, from what I can tell, it was a, it was a police shooting that actually made sense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the police do need to shoot people sometimes. And mm-hmm. when they're being attacked, that's one of those times, um, depending on the nature of the attack. And, and but there's a, of course, it was uh, a white cop and a black man. And so there was an instantaneous call and there was riots. Yeah. There was a riot. And there's this kid there who was going off and he could just, his tone, he was so angry. We need justice for, oh man, I forgot his name. <laughs> we, you got to say his name. What's his name? Yeah, for this guy, you know, and it's like, are you, you don't even know who you're here for. Yeah. You don't even know what this is about. Yeah. You just were, you're just, your parents didn't spank you as a kid. Yeah. And so you now do your temper tantrums in the streets yeah. and you're going to use any excuse you can to go be immature. Yeah. You know, that, that's a lot of what's going on. But for believers at the heart level for us, it's through a lot of practice and meditation that we get to that point. Very few things are as natural as anger. Yeah. Um, which is why. It's so important that we take every thought captive to obey Christ because it's already so much a part of us that we don't even think about it. Hmm. And that happened and, and the way that it becomes to the point where I'm I'm, you know, dissecting the tone of this person, or they said this again in this way, and I don't like it. And what did they mean by that? What we're doing is we're meditating. Hmm. We're asking questions about people's intentions that we should be giving them the benefit of the doubt hmm. with. And we should be asking those kind of questions about the Bible instead. What did, you know? What did John mean here when he said this? What was Paul's tone when he said, "Love covers a mul- multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and bears all things." Well, that's the way forward is love. Mm. So love covers over a multitude of sins, and there are some sins that that love ha- love addresses and it has to address but if it's something that we can move forward in peace by putting it away and saying i'm not going to dwell on it i'm not going to meditate on it i'm not going to confront this person about it because if we confronted everybody about everything we would have no relationships yeah um then we should we should cover over it yeah and for me where i actually find it the hardest is not when i'm sinned against it's when i'm annoyed against hmm. when someone annoys me and it's and it's, they didn't do anything wrong. And the thing that I've thought about for years is, oh man, God, you know, the Holy Spirit convicted me um, a while ago. Hey, if love covers a multitude of sins, um, it covers over a multitude of annoyances also. Yeah. So stop dwelling on it. L- bear, endure, hope all things, assume the best of the other person, and then move on. And the more we do that, the more we meditate on the nature of Christian love because of the love that God has shown us in Christ, the less angry I believe that we will be. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. But there's also, there's also those who have been sinned against in, in grievous ways though, right? Oh man. There's, there's people who have been physically, mentally, you know, verbally abused over the years and they have some deep rooted anger towards those who have who have abused them uh, in those ways. How, how do you help them, or how do we 
collectively as a church, how do we help individuals who, who have been wronged in, in those kind of ways? Yeah. Cause there is a, there is, um, a high correlation between people who abuse and those who are abused mm-hmm. and yet not as high sometimes as we might think mm-hmm. if everybody I read, um, a few uh, weeks ago that if everybody who was abused went on to abuse, um, the world would almost exclusively be filled with abusers. Hmm. Because if you have an abusive father who abuses three kids and those three kids go and abuse their four kids and then on down the generations, nobody would not be abusing everybody ever, you know? And so people are a lot of times resilient in those situations, but Hmm. they are, even when they don't, go off and let it out on somebody else, it does provoke deep anger. I mean, think of what Paul says to fathers in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers do not what? Provoke your children to anger. Fathers fathers have a huge role to play here um, because we can either provoke our children to anger or breathe life into their lives. Hmm. And that's the role we've been given is to set the spiritual and emotional tone of the home. Hmm. It's not up to mom to do that. Yeah. We need to do, I mean, mothers need to do that. And they're with, they're with kids most of the time, but fathers have the responsibility. Um, and as a church, um, we can step in where fathers haven't. Yeah. Right. And so if we have pe- people among us who have been abused, um, we need to love them and care for them the way that they weren't loved and cared for by whomever abused them. And I'm not saying that fathers are exclusively the abusers. I'm not, I don't mean to imply that at all, but the first thing we need to do is to acknowledge the reality of it. I mean, what are we seeing with the Southern Baptist convention? Um, these allegations of years of ignoring sexual abuse accusations, Mm -hmm. the Catholic church is known for it. Mm -hmm. We can't do that. We can't, we cannot ignore abuse. We need to honor the reality of it acknowledge the depth of it. And even when we don't understand what someone is dealing with, because we haven't personally experienced it, we need to, we need to, to, to hear them yeah. understand their experience and the pain that they feel is oftentimes it's almost too hard to put into words. And so we need to be constant. And, and one of the most common things that abusers or those who are abused experience is, is the shame of feeling like it's their fault. Yeah. That they did something to deserve it. Yeah. And we need to constantly be ministering the gospel in the midst of that and saying, no, it is not your fault. It is only the fault of your abuser. Now, there are certain temptations that come along with abuse in the life of somebody who is abused. One of those most common temptations is sinful anger. Because it, it's righteous anger to be angry at the abuse. But right. it quickly morphs into sinful anger when it's meditated on. Um, thoughts of vengeance come in, destructive, evil thoughts toward the abuser. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. Do not avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Pray for your enemies. You know, and, and oftentimes when we're mistreated, we, we don't do that. And so realize that anger is not, sometimes it's, it's referred to as a secondary emotion. As in, it's never just the original emotion. So somebody who's dealing with the shame of sexual abuse or embarrassment because they were mocked publicly by a friend or whatever the case may be, it's a lot easier to feel anger than it is to sit with shame. Yeah, A lot easier to be angry at your friend who just 
embarrassed you publicly than it is to um, sit with the embarrassment. Mm-hmm. And so for somebody who is abused, who's dealing with anger, um, realize that, that that's a response to the abuse. And if it's unrighteous, sinful anger, <coughs> then we need to actually own that. Because nobody can make, if we're believers, well, even if we aren't believers, nobody can make us sin. They can tempt us to sin through their sinful actions toward us, which is why we need to be very careful not to putting a stumbling block in other people's way through our own sins toward them. But, you know, Psalm 37, 8 says, forsake wrath, forsake wrath, put it away. Don't, don't go there. Ephesians 4, 31, put off wrath, bitterness, malice, slander, all these all these things that are destructive forms of anger, put them off. That's on. That's the hard work that somebody who is abused needs to do. Even as we who are helping them walk through that are honoring the pain that they feel too. And that's a difficult balance sometimes to strike, to say, this is not your fault. And put away wrath hmm. and trust the Lord. Hmm. And so the steps forward there, I'd say, are you know to acknowledge the hurt and what it cost. Because forgiveness is costly, and with particular sins against us, it's extra costly. Mm. Isaiah 53 is an itemized chapter of things that Christ suffered because of our sin. Yeah, He counted the cost, and we see it laid out yeah. like an itemized receipt. Yeah, We need to help somebody who's abused do that. What has this abuse cost you? And then to lay it before God. I'd encourage people to to write a psalm. The psalms are beautiful songs that God inspired, which oftentimes are the psalmist expressing their grief and, and sorrow over having been mistreated. Yeah. So see what the psalmist does, especially in the first half of psalms, those psalms come up. Yeah. And then write your own prayer to God as a psalm. That can be very helpful. Confess your own sinful anger and bitterness and, and ask the Lord to help you walk through it, and then doing what we do with anger, memorizing verses that are particularly potent to us, that address the heart of it. Meditate on that. Meditate on what Christ has done. And then when anger over abuse shows its head again, acknowledge that, and then counter it with one of those truths about who God is in his justice and his mercy. Hmm. So... I guess con- confronting somebody in their sin is not easy to do, and especially in light of that last category of someone who's who's gone through so much trauma, and yet seeing a tendency in their life and, and addressing them. That's 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 not easy, um, and I think we can come go about addressing somebody in their sin in two ways. We will either uh, not do it, yeah, or we will be. Um, we, we can be super hypocritical um, and not doing it in, in the way that Christ has called us to. But when we do address somebody in their sin, it's usually, it seems like, dealing with the bigger sins, right? right. That's, that's what it seems like. Why is it important that we confront a brother or sister in Christ of their, their sinful um, behavior? via anger yeah yeah like if it's something that's really a pattern that seems to 
yeah. be manifesting itself a lot. And, yeah. and you're wondering, do they see this? You know, and you have a, a you have a relationship to that person to be able to actually speak that into their life. You know, I think the author of Hebrews says most plainly um, in chapter three. You know, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, so that our hearts, which is the the center of our anger, right, is our hearts. So our hearts are not um, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. Um, unaddressed anger, even garden variety daily anger that that people experience all the time that doesn't really raise a red flag. Um, that, that hardens the heart and paves the way for greater sins to come in. Hmm. And so like in a marriage, when you have an angry spouse who just, there's a reason that abuse escalates, you know, and not all anger is abuse. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that Sure, most anger isn't. But if you have somebody who's practicing anger enough, it's easier for it to take a greater form next. Yeah. And when it starts to hit the stage of intervention to protect one spouse, it usually isn't going, unless there's actual repentance done, it's usually not going to get better. Hmm. And so, and it's like that with, you know, pornography, you know, increasing, sure. increasing, increasing appetite for more and more in order to get the same effect. Sure. And so that's why we want to address that with each other. And, you know, Paul says right there in Ephesians four, that leaving it unaddressed, um, that just gives the devil a foothold. Yeah. And if he's trying to scale the walls of our hearts where Christ alone is to reign supreme, uh, we don't want to make that rock wall any easier for him to climb. And anger is one of the chief ways that we give him a foothold there. You know, and then, and also I think of Proverbs 22, it, it, we're told in 20, in verse 24, not to be friends with an angry man. And so as friends, if we have friends, believing friends who are characterized by anger, um, that can be a real threat to our friendship because if they won't repent, we are actually told to distance ourselves from such people because it has a corrosive effect yeah. on our relationships. And yeah. so I'd say those are just a few reasons why it's important to help one another there. Yeah. So Rick, I just, I feel like this is a good opportunity yeah, for <laughs> someone for lunch. Um, so let's bring this plane in. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought your, the, uh, Winston Churchill quote that you gave on Sunday was hilarious. <laughs> it was it so is. good. And he might not have been angry when he yeah. said it, honestly, you know, and that's something I, I was thinking about after the sermon is I hope that people didn't misunderstand me. Like there's affectionate ribbing, yeah. you know, yeah. like that yeah. guys do or that we do with people we love that this is not what, you know, Jesus yeah. has in mind. He's talking specifically about words used in anger. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. what Churchill's heart was. I just, I just I always love a good Churchill story. And I thought, yeah, yeah that was a good one. So I was sitting in the commons. I would drink it. And I had <laughs> a very audible laugh <laughs> and nobody else laughed. <laughs> So I was self-conscious. Uh, uh, Dennis told me another Churchill one, one uh, after church, after second service. Yeah. And, I, and I heard this one before too, uh, you know, cause I love Churchill and yeah. I love these little stories, but um, a woman one time walked up to him and said, Winston, you're drunk. And he said, I may be drunk, um, but tomorrow I'll be sober and you'll still be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why he wasn't, well liked things like that 
Yeah. No, those. When you defeat Hitler, though, I mean, I, yeah, gets, there's, there's, we some, give more grace. There's some respect there. Yeah. Well, Rick, thanks for thanks for your sermon on Sunday. Thanks yeah. for discussing further on on anger. Next week, this coming Sunday, we're talking about oaths. Uh, yeah, lust. Lust. Actually, lust. Lust. And adultery. Lust and adultery. Then marriage, divorce, remarriage. Then oaths. Then oaths. Okay, so I was way off. I was way off too. Yeah, well, I had a, um, this focused on the next week. Last night I was like, "How did I miss this?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about lust. Well, good. Now no one's gonna listen next week. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk about that. <laughs> well, well we, great. We better. <laughs> How exciting. We better finish this. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.